0: We're still talking about no outsiders. I've liked this. You know, today we're going to be talking um, together around the scripture. Luke 6. It's a sermon that we call the sermon on not on the mount, but on the plain. Some people call it the lesser Beatitudes, but I dare say there's nothing lesser about Luke's version of the Beatitudes except there's fewer. You know, a few years ago, I think I was in Houston, flipping through channels, and I came across a Catholic priest who was teaching on the subject of what it means to be blessed. And and what he said was, to be blessed means to be touched by God. Now think about it. I tested it, and I've tested it for nearly 30 years. It's a perfect example of what it means to be blessed or blessed. The blessed are those who are touched by God. Have you ever greeted someone with a simple, how are you doing today? And they said, I'm blessed. And and you look at them and and you say, well, I believe you are. You're so happy. But we should never take that being blessed lightly. It's not just a greeting. It's a theological statement when we say I'm blessed. What we're saying, I'm a child of God. I'm blessed. I've been touched by God. But today we're going to be talking about what it means to be blessed and how the blessed are called to bless the blessed. So this morning we're going to be talking about the Sermon on the Plain. We're going to be 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 comparing the Sermon on the Plain to the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel, which are considered to be the Beatitudes. We're going to compare those to what we'll be reading today from the sixth chapter of Luke's Gospel. What I want to do this morning, just briefly, is to say, you know, Matthew's Beatitudes, the Blessed Are the, in Matthew is the preface or the prelude, maybe we'll say, to the Sermon on the Mount. In Luke's gospel, Jesus is actually coming with the disciples from the mountain and he gets to this level place, to this plain where he's eye to eye with the people. Where he's on the same level with the people and he begins to teach. You know, in Matthew's gospel, we have the Beatitudes that are really kind of poetic and there's nine of them. In Luke's gospel, you just have four and they're very pointed and they're challenging. Let me give you the the example. In Matthew's Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. And Luke says, blessed are the poor. Matthew's Beatitudes say, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Luke says, blessed are the hungry. Now! Now! Luke, kind of in a prelude form, gives rise to the teachings of Jesus. And in Luke's gospel, he gives rise to the warnings and curses. He says, woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are full now. Woe to you who laugh now. Woe to you if people speak well about you. You're not doing your job. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. I want you to hear this. Because I'm going to do a little bit more than we got on the screen. So, y'all try to follow me back there. But I want to back up to the 19th verse. And I want to read this 19th verse because it gives us a snapshot into all that's going on in Jesus' ministry before we get to this point of teaching. And it says this, And all in the crowd were trying to touch him, for power came out of him, and he healed them. All of them. And then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and when they revile you and defame you on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for surely your reward is great in heaven. For that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all speak well of you for that is what their ancestors did for the false prophets. But I say to you that listen love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who abuse you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. You know, there are two kinds of people described in most of the Gospels and especially in Luke and those two types of people are the crowds and the disciples the crowds and the followers of Jesus now up to this point in the first five chapters of Luke's Gospel Jesus really hadn't taught anything he really hadn't said very much he's hardly said anything it's all been about action with very little dialogue he had healed the sick He had sparred verbally with the Pharisees because they thought they knew everything about God. He had called his disciples. He had attracted these crowds because he was healing them and casting out demons. And and there was quite a spectacle. And you know how crowds gravitate toward the sensational, right? That's what was going on. It is here in the sixth chapter... That Jesus begins to teach. And he outlines what it means to be Christian. To live as Christian. In this kind of world. Now he knows up, goes up on the mountain. And, and he brings these newly uh, recruited disciples down. And he said, there are the people with these diseases. And he healed all of them. Now, I want us to note the difference between the crowd and the disciples. The crowd, He heals. He doesn't ask anything of them. He just shows compassion on them because of their sickness or because of their demon possession. And He heals them. And they go away. And they are part of the suffering world that Jesus touches and He heals. The disciples, none of them are healed. Nor does Jesus give comforting words to the disciples. To the disciples, to those who follow him, that'd be you and that'd be me. He just gives a pointed challenge. This is what we're called to do. We're called to bless the blessed. And and do you see what he's doing? He comes down from the mountain to the plain where the people are and then he demonstrates to his disciples and to all others what it means to be a Christ follower and he reaches out his hand and he heals the sick the suffering and 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 they all notice and Jesus says, in essence, someday life is going to be what it's supposed to be. Like it is right now when everybody is so full of joy because they've been healed. When everybody is so full of peace because their, their son was raised from the dead. This, you know, whatever the issue was, Jesus was right in the middle of it. And he said, someday it's going to be like that. But not now. We're to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But it's not there now. In the meantime, he said to us, we have to bless the blessed with our actions toward the poor and the hungry and those who weep and and who mourn, who are broken. We need to stand up for the people who, who don't feel blessed and we need to bless them. We need to be the touch of God in their lives and we need to be everything that they need right now for their healing. You know, this past week, We've been reminded of the Parkland shooting, right? It, does it seem like that was three years ago? It was a year ago. Stoneman Douglas High School. You know, I remember parents seeing them on the television, and 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 they'd been they'd, they'd had their children killed, and and parent after parent, I saw, uh, say through their anger and their pain, I even heard some politicians echo the same charge. They said, we don't need your prayers. We need your action. Okay, we Christians, when we hear that, that should sting just a little bit. Because we know the value of prayer. We know that before we do anything, we better center ourselves in God because we know we don't have the ability, we don't have the talent to do what is needed to heal those who need the healing, those who mourn. And so we start with prayer. We're going to pray because we know we can't do anything without centering ourselves and our actions in God. So, so we hear that and, and we know the value of prayer. And, and yet we also hear the pain of the blessed. When they're saying right now, we need to we need action that, that that has flesh and blood. We need to see some people rolling up their sleeves and throwing elbows and, and, and doing things that need to be done. We need, we need to see some action. And so we who are Christians, we know how we have to center our actions in God, and at the same time, we know what they need. They need a touch from God, and guess what? Guess who's the toucher? You know we didn't really know what to do but we started talking about it as a staff and in a few days we planned an event called Parkland Moves Us. Do you remember? It took place right here in this room. And, and, and we invited politicians and we invited law enforcement folk and we invited some of our own students and, and, and our congregation. We gathered around tables and we addressed the issues of gun violence, gun control, uh, what do we do about these, uh, pu- these school shootings? Um, the, the violence in society. We, we, we talked about this and then we talked around the tables. We, we featured a young man named du- uh, Justin, if you remember. He was a kid from Stoneman Douglas High School. We, we'd heard his story that he was on the swim team and one of the, uh, the young people who was shot and killed was one of his teammates and a very close friend. We invited Justin to come just a few days after th- this horrific incident. He was still so raw. He wasn't a public speaker by any stretch of the imagination. But he accepted our, our invitation. You know how we got him here? Through our United Methodist Connection. Our youth director called the youth director at Parkland. The Parkland United Methodist Church. And this, next thing you know, we've, we've got Justin coming to Dallas. And this, this young kid sat up here and he just shared his heart about his hurt. And his mourning and his suffering. We got a note from Justin this week saying, "Lovers' Lane helped me find my voice. And this kid this kid got with a couple of musicians, professional musicians, and they did a they wrote a song using a couple of his lines that he shared from his testimony. And and, and they wrote this song and they did a music video where he is the featured star of this music video, very, very high quality, very, very moving. And I was watching it and I was listening to it and I was crying. Because I remembered the kid who was scared up on the stage. And he and his father wrote us, and in essence, they said, You, you know, can't think Lover's Lane enough because you invited us during a tough time, and, 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 and Justin shared his experience, and you helped him find his voice, you helped him embrace his faith. And now he's touching others, the blessed those who weep now and helping them laugh. You know the most significant aspect of this text? It's that Jesus came down from the mountain to be eye to eye with the people. He taught His disciples what it means to do Christian ministry. That Christianity is not meant to be a mountaintop experience. All the time? You don't go from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop. You come down to the plain where the blessed are, where the blessed are. You come down here where the hurt is, and you look eye to eye with it. Christianity is not some mountaintop religion with with the teacher named Jesus, who's some kind of guru and wise guy, and his philosophies live forever because he was such a great man. He's our Lord and Savior. And he's taught us what it means to be blessed, to be touched by God, so that we can bless the blessed. He's taught us the essence of what it means to have faith. I want to share personally with you this morning. The United Methodist Church, and I know a lot of you hadn't been United Methodist Church people since you were born, but I was. am. Well, I really wasn't United Methodist when I was born. I was Methodist because there wasn't a United Methodist till 1968 and guess what? I'm older than that. <laughs> but the point being, the United Methodist Church taught me to bless the blessed. Now, it came through my parents and my grandparents and Sunday school teachers and, and, and loving pastors and hymns that were sung from the heart and testimonies that were tear-laced and passionate people who were always pointing us toward Jesus and Jesus toward others. And you know, God has done so much for me through the United Methodist Church that there is no way I could possibly repay God or the United Methodist Church for the blessings. The United Methodist Church taught me to sing the love song of Christ to others. The United Methodist Church has shown me faith of heart and has invited me to engage my mind with scripture especially. The United Methodist Church has introduced me to friends and colleagues and parishioners who are absolutely amazing. You are amazing. This church, the United Methodist Church, through Lovers Lane, through Crosswalk, has taught me more about what Christianity is really about than any experience I can point to. The United Methodist Church has brightened some of my darkest nights. The United Methodist Church has been a friend, a gift from the Holy Spirit that's been a constant, that's been an unshakable friend in my highest highs and in my lowest lows. The United Methodist Church has turned my focus to others who need what the church Has been for me. And the United Methodist Church has been a real sense. In a real sense has given me my life and my living. My call and my purpose. The United Methodist Church has given me a passion to bless the blessed. The poor, the hungry, the broken, the mourning, the lost. Fill in the blanks. We've all been there And when we know it Then we can be a greater blessing To the blessed When we know it's been We who have been in need Of that touch from God From others Then then we're better at sharing it This week The United Methodist General Conference Will gather as delegates in St. Louis Yippee And delegates will gather from all over the world. Those delegates will make some decisions about what we say in our book of discipline and how inclusive we should be toward gay and lesbian people that we must not reduce to initials, LGBTQ, or however many initials you want to put on it. We're talking about real people. As we were reminded not long ago, This is not about matters, it's not about issues, it's not about some kind of language, it's about people. The whole conference is dedicated to this issue that we've been fighting about for 50 years. No wonder we've been in decline for all of those years. Who wants to join a church that's fighting? That's why we don't fight here, it's against the law. What I want you to know is at the end of General Conference, we at Lover's Lane will enter a season of prayer and discernment. How long will that season be? We'll, we'll sense the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit says, It's time. You know, if, if the decisions of General Conference, if they swing more conservative then you were hoping, I'm going to ask you to do nothing but pray and discern with me. And if those results are more liberal than you've been praying about, I can't imagine that being the case in Crosswalk, but if it were, discern with me. Do nothing but discern and pray with me. And if the general conference comes together and they do nothing, and you and I and so many United Methodists are so upset and distraught because these years of talking has come to this apex and we went down from the mountain with nothing, then do nothing but pray and discern with me. And you know when I tell you to do nothing but pray and discern, I'm asking you to do the most important thing I could possibly ask you because we believe in prayer, amen? Amen. We believe in discernment, Amen? amen? So I'm asking you to join me in the most important matters that we could be about. Whatever comes out of General Conference, we're going to pray and discern. And one thing is sure. That most of our sister and brother United Methodists the Sunday after General Conference will go back to their local settings and we'll go back to ours and you know that Sunday after General Conference we're not going to gather here in Asbury. We're going to all cram into the sanctuary and to other overflowing areas. We're going to have one big giant worship service and we're going to sing the Methodist anthem, the national anthem of the Methodist church. Oh for a thousand tongues to sing. My great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King. The triumphs his days and we'll celebrate that we've been about the business of blessing the blessed for the past 75 years but we're going to be thinking about what we're going to do the next 75 years we'll celebrate how God has moved us through the decades to do ministry that is way beyond our ability That sometimes was so far out on the limb you could hear it breaking. We will see how, we will celebrate how God has uniquely gifted us for such a time as this. People, the United Methodist Church, know Lover's Lane. Because we look like the general church, all in one place. Africans and other people from all over the world with our global outreach, with our friends and brothers who are LGBTQ we're we're all getting into the same water of baptism and the news has gotten out what's going on at Lover's Lane and we say we're driven by a mission of loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ and a vision to be one diverse community passionately uplifting the gospel of Jesus in worship and loving service and challenging in love that which divides that's what's happening at Lover's Lane. And no matter what, we will keep keeping on being the church that the Holy Spirit has led us to be. What happens at General Conference is going to make no difference to what we're going to be about because it's always been about people. And We're going to be just as loving and inclusive as we can possibly be and we get our marching orders from the Holy Spirit. And no matter what the general conference decides, church happens most powerfully and effectively at the local level in our local mission fields. And why don't we just let our connection of United Methodist Churches determine what those local mission fields are and roll up your sleeves and get out there and start blessing the blessed. For they say they're tired of our prayers. Oh, but we know different. We know we can't go out there without our prayers and discernment. And When we center ourselves on who God is for us and we we go out there, people's lives are changed. And we come back in here and we realize that we're the ones who've been touched by God and we've been touched for a reason. We've been touched so that we can be the touch of God in the lives of others who are hurting that's what it's all about friends I think I'll just quit not quit the church but this sermon's done be praying that the Holy Spirit moves in ways that nobody saw coming amen